0: The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him. And The world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who are born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh, And made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory and the glory as of the father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, this is he of whom I said, the one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace, because while the law was given to Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son, God, who is of the Father's side, has revealed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas to everyone again. Of course, we've been in the Advent season until now, but uh, I'm sure that even, even though you've been you know, keeping good and not eating too many Christmas cookies, and, uh, and uh, I'm sure that you've heard a few Christmas songs. And one of the, one of the Christmas songs uh, that kept on coming to mind for me as I was meditating on uh, Christmas as a whole was, He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, for be good's so or goodness sake, right? Santa Claus is coming, right? And he's thinking about that and thinking, about the, way that, uh, thinking uh, about the way that we often relate Christmas with Santa Claus. And, and that's just kind of a, a, a large part of it. Good old Saint Nick and, and everything else, um, which is a good aspect of Christmas, I would say. But I think it's important for us to recognize that Santa Claus... Uh, is one aspect of Christmas, but the coming of Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is and who God is is very different. I think a lot of the times we do associate the two. Uh, our God often looks very similar to Santa Claus. We sometimes imagine a God who is watching us, and he knows when we're awake and we're asleep because he knows, right, everything, and he knows if we've been good or bad, and we need to be good because otherwise, otherwise he's going to give us some coal, right, right? So we've got to be good to try to get good gifts. But that's a disordered way of understanding who God is during this Christmas season. And I think it's especially disordered when we think about who Jesus Christ is. Now, it's common for us to think about God as, again, somebody who's very removed. And in fact, in many ways, God is very removed from us. It's actually part of the reason why we even use incense at Mass is partly there's a veiling aspect Because as much as we might might have been revealed about God and who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and about the Word of God, there's always a certain aspect of God that we can't grasp. A certain mystery to God that's beyond us and our comprehension because we're humans. And so the incense actually gives us kind of a veiling of that. It should remind us of the mystery of who God is and the mystery of what we celebrate here. However, even as we remember that, we remember that God is not so beyond us that we can't comprehend or be close to him. And in fact, it would be a disservice to God if we don't recognize the great gift on this Christmas season of a God who isn't just watching us, who didn't just make us, who didn't just know us at every single moment of our life, but a God who dwells among us. In fact, that's part of the reason why uh, we have the first reading today. Or, sorry, not the first reading, the, the gospel today. The gospel today, which isn't a very Christmassy reading, right? You're kind of expecting the birth narrative. You're expecting angels. You're expecting, you know, kind of all this celebration for Christmas. And then the, chur- the church gives us uh, the beginning of the gospel of John, which is very theological, very boring, very confusing. And we're like, what is he even talking about here? Okay? But the reason why we do this is because this text, this gospel here today, gives us the significance of why Christmas is so important and special. We can all get behind a nice birth of a child, but why do we still celebrate the birth of this child 2,000 years later? Why, do we, why is this birth so significant? Because it's not a birth of another prophet. It's not a birth of someone who's close to God the Father. It's not, someone, it's not the birth of someone who revealed who uh, about God. This is God who is dwelling among us, which completely transforms. It should completely transform the way that we understand who God is in our life and that's the purpose and the meaning of Christmas, is that we have a God who's not so removed from us that He just watches us when we're and knows when we're awake or asleep, and watches us to see whether we've been good or bad. But we have a God who comes to dwell among us. It, it says, "The Word became flesh." Now, whenever we hear this uh, word, Jesus, uh, before he was born and took on flesh, he's often um, talked about in scripture as the word or wisdom. The second person, the Trinity, which wasn't fully understood until he always existed. And we know that because of the very beginning where we hear in the beginning was the word. Who's the word? Jesus. Okay. So whenever we hear the word, I want us to think Jesus. Okay. So in the beginning was the Word. So in the beginning, we think about Genesis. We think about the very beginning of creation. God created. And it wasn't just God the Father. It was God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The whole Trinity was there in the beginning. And the Word was with God. Now this is the confusing part. Is that we we say the Word was with God. So wait, Jesus isn't God? Because if He's with God, then He's not God. But the next phrase clarifies that. And the Word was God. Okay, now we're getting a little bit confusing, right? Saying, wait, wait, Jesus, the word was with God, but he is God, okay? This is where we get the confusion of the Trinity. (laughs) Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one being. That gives us a God who's communal and also gives us a God of love. God is love because he is communal, three persons in one being. And guess what? It's confusing for us, (laughs) But Jesus Christ came and took on flesh to be among us, to dwell among us, and to reveal who God truly is. A God that, again, is not removed, who leaves us lonely, but is a God who is intimately involved in our life, who dwells among us. And that's the other part. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This dwelling idea its translated, uh, of course, this was written in Greek because this is uh, the Gospels. The New Testament is all written in Greek and English is always a translation, which sometimes we struggle with because it's not always completely accurate or we can't quite get the meaning. So he made his dwelling among us, his dwelling. This is uh, sometimes translated as kind of tent. He made his tent among us. He's kind of on a, on a journey and he's kind of just camping out with us, okay? which Jesus did to a certain degree. It also can sometimes be translated as tabernacle. And this should remind us of the time of uh, Moses and the exile, where they actually created a tent that kept the Ten Commandments, that kept the Ark of the Covenant, that kept the Holy of Holies, that was this tabernacle, this place of that God dwelling among his people, sometimes in a cloud, sometimes in a pillar of fire. So we see this, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Not again, a God who's removed from us, but a God who dwells and lives in our lives. And the fullness of that is the coming of Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus Christ as a baby. But... It's not just 2,000 years ago. What's beautiful about the coming of Jesus Christ is that he reveals his dwelling among us. And I'll give you two main ways that he continues to dwell with us that we need to continue to meditate on as Christians. One is that we heard, uh, we hear uh, in, in, uh, in the New Testament that when we become baptized, when we are baptized, we become temples... Of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's that should give us pause because what that means is that God isn't just watching us like Santa Claus. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is actually making a tent. He's dwelling in us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is dwelling with us in our life. That should change the way that we understand. We're never alone. We're never alone. It's one of the most fearful things as humans to actually be alone, even though that we like our alone time, okay? Uh, Being alone and being isolated and having no one who knows or understands you is one of the worst feelings or experiences as a human. But as Christians, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us always. We are never alone. We also, whenever we uh, interact with another person who's baptized, we're interacting with Jesus Christ in a special way because they're also temples of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's one way to continue to think about the way that Jesus Christ continues to dwell among us. Not Jesus Christ, but God, the third person of the Trinity, dwells within us. Now, Jesus Christ continues to dwell in this world in a special way, in a flesh way, in a real way. And he gave us this sacrament at the Last Supper before he died and was risen he took the last supper and he took this bread and he said this is my body this is my blood and the apostles didn't understand it completely at the time but as we continue to meditate on these mysteries as we continue to to unpack it all we understand that Jesus Christ gave us this amazing sacrament to continue to dwell among us and so we have a tabernacle here today we have a tabernacle where the Eucharist is reserved, the Eucharist, which is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. We have Jesus Christ dwelling among us in very much the same way as he dwelled among us 2,000 years ago when he was born a baby in Bethlehem in a manger. That Jesus Christ dwells and is with us. And that's part of the reason why every every single time that we come to church, we celebrate Mass again, to bring Jesus Christ present to us Once again, so that he might dwell among us, that he might be with us and that we might recognize always that the word became flesh and dwelt among us again, not 2000 years ago, but again here today. And so as we uh, continue on this Christmas season, let us remember that we're never alone uh, and that he dwells among us. Now, I want to wrap this up with uh, one last um, quote. Uh, from Pope Benedict XVI, uh, my favorite uh, writing by the church is Deus Caritas Es, which is God is love. And in the first paragraph, uh, Pope Benedict says this line, which uh, I think uh, just gives me a continued understanding of kind of the Christian life as a whole. And so I'm going I'm to say it. it's only one sentence, but I'm going to, of course, stop and explain certain parts of it. But it says, uh, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea. Okay, so it's not the result of an ethical choice. So I think Santa Claus can sometimes be seen as an ethical choice, right? You've got to be good or bad because you're going to get results. Our relationship with God should not be an ethical choice. Now, there is an ethical choice involved in that relationship because God tells us about how to flourish as human beings and what to avoid because of what might hurt us, right? That's what sin is. It hurts us, and God tells us not to sin, not because his whole relationship is about doing right and wrong, but because he wants good things for us. So he wants us to avoid sin and to choose holiness in life because it's not about that ethical choice, but just like parents, your relationship with your parents isn't about eating vegetables and going to bed on time, okay? Okay. Uh, it's not about that, but it is part of that relationship, okay? So we need to be careful to not create our Christian life about ethical choices, okay? That's not the Christian life. That is a part of the Christian life, but it is not the Christian life. The other one is it's not a lofty idea. It's not something, beyond us, so so myster- mysterious that we can't understand it. And we just walk up and we say, well, I don't understand it anyways, whatever. God's God, and I'm going to just go keep on doing my own thing." Lofty idea. No, Jesus Christ took on flesh. He dwelt among us so that it might not just be a lofty idea, but something personal, something that he's dwelling within us and is personal and is connected to us here today, okay? So I'll say that again. Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but an encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. That event, that person is Jesus Christ. Christmas changed all of human history. It gave humanity a totally new direction because we have a God who took on flesh to dwell among us. And that event, that person, that relationship that he wants to have with us, to dwell among us, to be involved in our lives, to be present with us so that we might never be alone and might always be in communion with him, that encounter with that person and event should give Life, a new horizon, and a decisive direction. And so I encourage us during this Christmas time again to encounter that person. Encounter that event in a real way and allow that to change the way that you think about life. Whenever you feel lonely, whenever you feel alone, whenever you feel not understood, whenever you're struggling with something, know that you're not alone. You have the Holy Spirit with you. God dwells with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you on this journey. That's why he took on flesh. And so let us remember that and appreciate it and continue to live it always in our lives.